Okay. First, like, did you even know that Dia had swim? I did. And I saw a bathing suit that you have in your dating profile on there. Oh yeah. That one from city chic, the black one with all the boob. (laughs) Yeah. They're out to play and it gets a lot of swipes. Go visit dia.com to start shopping for your swimwear because this is the time to do it. By the time summer actually gets here, it's all out of stock. And don't forget to use our code SWIPEFAT for 30% off. That's new and returning customers. Head to dia.com and get shopping. Okay. This is how we're going to do it. Okay. What the? F- what are, <laughs> are you trying to kill me? Why are you threatening me with? A gold thing. I'm yeah, adorable. A guy handle. came. A guy came and put together some of my furniture, and he broke it. Okay. So I have to get a new one sent to me. So are you telling me that because you need me to fix it for you, or because you're trying to kill me? Trying to kill you. Okay, great. <laughs> I love that for me. Really starting this episode off real well. <laughs> I feel very safe. You feel safe. Good. Because so safe. you should feel safe because we're going to talk about a really important topic that you have to feel safe about and not at all threatened. <laughs> okay. What are we talking about today? So today we have a guest on, a very special guest, um, and it is our fertility nurse oh wait we have the same nurse we have the same nurse her name is Whitney um and she works at Ova egg freezing here in Chicago Mm -hmm. um Nikki and I I have gone through the egg freezing process and Nikki's in the throes of it yeah I've done the testing Mm -hmm. and um I, I had noticed on our um, Facebook group, our private Facebook group that you can join, you can sw- search for Swipe Fat Podcast on Facebook. And um, some people have started the process of talking about it and just were like, mm-hmm. has anyone done it? Has anyone frozen their eggs? Like, is there anything that we need to think about being plus size women when we... we yeah, we both have gotten a lot of questions about like our weight with it mm-hmm. and then being surprised that you were able to. Correct, because BMI seems to be a large mm-hmm. issue with some doctors out there. Mm-hmm. It was not my experience, but I know it has for others. Um, so we thought it would be great to have Whitney come on and talk to us about um, her background um, as a fertility nurse and patient advocate at OVA so she could answer a lot of the questions that we've gotten um, that, you know, we can answer from our experience always, but it's always nice to have a professional mm-hmm. come and actually speak, um, to, you know, the process. And she's actually also had her eggs frozen. So, um, she can speak to her experience as well. Um, but I think Whitney is probably best known. Um, this, this is, my, is why you like her. I, well, yeah. When I, when I knew that I was going to meet her, like she was going to be my nurse, I had a freaking heart attack. Um, she's best known for her time on the bachelor <laughs> in 2015. And I hate how like, like she won quote unquote, but she did. Um, <laughs> but I know that Whitney says it's the best part about that is that she's able to use that platform to like actually promote egg freezing and, um, you know, how important it is to be proactive about your reproductive health. So anyway, not only you're like, she was on the bachelor. You were so excited to meet her because of that. I was like, when I met her for the first time, I was like, oh, she was Alex's nurse too. Cool. (laughs) I I remember even meeting her and I was like, don't say that you watch the bachelor. Don't say you watch the bachelor. And I didn't. And then like, I don't know, now we've gotten to be close and <laughs> I was like, I'm really into it. And I am embarrassed that I am. It's but, fine. Uh, when you did that wine walk at Ova, um, I think drunk me was like, yeah, aren't you so glad you're not part of the new ones? Like the new bachelor <laughs> people, like some of them are not nice. <laughs> I know. I know. Yeah. That's good. Get some wine and you get some dirt. It's great. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which we'll be doing this up, I think, because she was down to have a glass of wine. Oh, yeah. She was yeah. like, I'm ready to have some wine. It is like 90 degrees out. So we have to yeah, have a and little bev. Yeah. I'm just excited to talk about like, so I think one of the biggest things of me sharing that I've done this experience, like going through the testing was people like, thank you for letting us know that there are options and like talking that it's okay to find out your options. So I can't wait to discuss that more with her. Yeah. I think I, I was surprised the amount of people who were like, I'm, 
I'm surprised you're sharing your experience. And I think the big thing is like, we shouldn't be embarrassed to talk about no our reproductive health. And I think, you know, like our society has made us like embarrassed about it. And it's, it shouldn't be something that we're embarrassed about. Not at all. It's something that we should learn about, make our decisions about and like own ourselves. So, yeah, like something that I didn't even know until um, I was way older than I should have been was that we're born with all the eggs that we have. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that. Yeah. And they get older with us. Yeah. And I thought they were just regenerating in there. Yeah. No, not so much. Baby us is born with some eggs. Yeah. Didn't know that. Like who, who was teaching health class? I guess they were like, we don't care. The gym teacher. You don't need to know about your reproductive (laughs) portion of it. No sex till marriage. (laughs) But you'll grow some hair and you might be smelly. No sex till marriage. That's all I got. Yeah, I think so. Same over here. That really. um, And you should be embarrassed that you have blood come out of you. Yes. (laughs) Gross. And no sex till marriage. Don't you think that's like so true though? what that they were like I feel like you were no that's that that literally I just explained my my <laughs> reproductive health classes I think mine had even less information I, I didn't exaggerate I mean there might have been one condom on a banana thing but it was you shouldn't have to use oh, this absolutely not in, yeah. a, in a catholic school no. what's a penis don't well you you also went to an all-girls school I was in classes with guys too not when I was oh. in grade school oh okay it was boys oh okay I think it's a Catholic school. So I went to Catholic school. Yeah. 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 So different. Yeah. But I'm public school still no sex till marriage. I think that's crazy that they teach abstinence at a public school, Florida, Mm. you know, don't say gay. You're right. Now this new communism thing that just, I don't, let's not talk about it. (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot going on in the world right now. And it's really upsetting me, but like, Oh yeah. I had a, full-on meltdown this weekend so if we can like help give one little nugget of how you can own your own self yeah take control take control of yourself like hopefully this gives some peace of mind to you I don't I don't know there's like there's so much up in the air so on that note It's a lot riding on this. There's a lot riding on this. I hope uh, she's cool with that. <laughs> All right. Well, hi, Whitney. Hi, Sass. How are you? <laughs> Good. Long time. No chat. I, know. I always forget that people call you Sass. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I feel like we should. That's it. Shouldn't be Alex. I should be Sassy. I like but, that you're Alex. Two different personas. Ooh. same okay. person There's, I feel like okay. I just only know sassy and maybe like it's Alex the more serious or no who's the... she, just ta- she just talks about being fat oh <laughs> well then what does sassy do what is I don't she know just... she does it too I guess oh. I don't know we're They're the same, same person they're okay. exactly the same person Alexandra might be a different person mm. but Alex and sassy are the same person <laughs> Alexandra yeah that is so sophisticated I know it so is. fancy so fancy. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Well, I think this is it's great. We're so excited to have you on mm-hmm. um, yeah. to talk more about the whole process because we've been getting a lot of questions. Um, I know because like Nikki's going through the mm-hmm. testing process right yes. now. So she's been getting a lot of questions on in her DMs. But I know like we in general, we've been getting a lot on our we have a private Facebook group. And okay. so a lot of people have been like sort of talking about it more recently and sort of like when should I think about it? Or, you know, like all these questions. And I was like, we should just do an episode because, you know, Nikki and I are both like gone through this process and we've like decided, you know, for different reasons why we want to do this. So, mm-hmm. oh, I haven't even told people I'm doing it yet. <laughs> well, okay. Here we are. Bom- oh, here we are. Bomb drop. Bomb drop. <laughs> Oh, I was like, do you know what? I should do another round while Nikki's doing it. <laughs> Why not? Together. Yeah. Why not? Uh, actually, you know, we do offer not. Right over the, the freeze with a friend. Freeze with so a friend. We, yeah. So, um, because sometimes it is nice to have like a pal to go through it with. I mean, we always at Ova like to think that, you know, we're your bestie through this too. Mm-hmm. But sometimes it is nice, you know, to have that that support person too. 
I is agree. that a good idea? It is. Absolutely. You seem to like just be upset with each other instead of like yeah. me just like raging on you. Okay. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, <laughs> think about all of the amazing podcasts that you guys could record. You know, sober. Well. <laughs> sober. Very sober. There's going to be lots of crying. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Great content. Yeah. We can already, get into that later. I already but... cry enough on this podcast. I know. We need to add more. <laughs> um, but anyway, okay. So I, I did want to talk like a little bit about, um, I think like each of our experiences a little bit before we kind of go into like commonly asked questions um, sure. to sort of baseline it for everybody. But um, I know maybe Whitney, you you could talk about yours first because you were Absolutely. the, you were young and you did it, right? I was, I was young, but it was also, um, before really, I guess I would say before it was so in vogue, um, I, I proceeded with it. So this was back, I was 27 and I'm getting ready to turn 37. So almost 10 years ago, I was working at a fertility clinic here in Chicago and with the demographic of women, couples that I was working with, it was what we called third-party reproduction. So when you hear that term, all it means is simply that the patient is having to use a third party to conceive. So whether that is a donor egg, donor sperm, a surrogate, there's a third party involved. So when women were having to utilize a donor egg, a lot of times they had gone through numerous failed cycles of IVF. And we're kind of getting to the realization that, hey, if I'm going to have a child, this is the avenue that I'm going to need to go down. And you can imagine as a woman who you've got, you're born with this innate sort of desire and not everyone follows through with that. Some women are completely fine without having children. But in this case, these women were grieving the loss of that they were not going to have a biological child of their own. And part of my job as a nurse is what you would expect, right? So education, teaching them about the meds, you know, um, blood draws, ordering the medications, touching base with them. But the other part of my job was really being their support and listening to them through this because sometimes they didn't want to share it with those around them. They didn't, they were still trying to process this. Mm -hmm. And I would hear on repeat over and over again, I wish I would have had the opportunity to freeze my ex. There's no amount of money that I wouldn't have paid if I could just turn back time. And the truth of the matter is for a lot of these women, egg freezing wasn't even offered at that time. Because when I first started in this field, you know, the success really wasn't there. We were really educating people and, you know, telling them, hey, if you want to preserve your fertility, you should get donor sperm and freeze an embryo because the science and the success of vitrification or flash freezing of eggs was not there. But around the time that I'm, you know, with, you know, talking with these women, it was just, we were just starting to kind of scratch the surface with it. And we were seeing that, Hey, this is working. And so for me at the time I was 27, I just sat there and thought, I don't know a lot about life or about where I'm going, but I know someday I want to be a mom. And if I can have any little bit of control in this or have a say in this at all, I'm going to take it. And I trusted the science, trusted the experts that I was working with, the physicians, the laboratory, all of those key things. So I decided to become the patient and I did it. And so many people thought you are way too young. You're, you know, you're right. getting way ahead of yourself. You are way over analyzing this or having anxiety about this. And which that's a totally different episode that we could go in the mental health surrounding it all. <laughs> no. But I, I didn't care. I made that decision for myself and I never, ever have looked back. There's never been a day that I have said, you know what, really wish I wouldn't have done that. And I mean, Sass, you can probably say the same thing. I mean, there's times during the process where you're like, this is not fun. This is no. not something that I am like enjoying, or I would much rather be going out and whatever it could be. It's a multitude of things you would rather be doing, but when it's all behind you to the satisfaction and the peace of mind that comes with that, I've never heard of anyone regret doing it. Yeah. I agree. I think my process, obviously I was a lot older. Um, I started the whole process when I was 35. Um, and most people are not to interrupt you, but most yeah. people are. The only reason I knew to do it that young was because you were I was in the, in the trenches. Every yeah. Day. I was just going to yeah, say you were in the thick it. of it. Yeah. yeah. Right. Um, 
And I think that is such a thing too. I feel like doc, like no doctor said to me, like, um, like my OBGYN was never like, Hey, like you should think about this. Like no one ever said anything to me. And it was like my own, my own thing where I was like, maybe I should think about this. Mm -hmm. Uh, and when I, I was in a relationship, um, and that's how this whole process started for me. I was in a relationship and he wasn't sure he wanted kids. Um, and I was like, well, I think you do. Let me answer that for you. Newsflash, he didn't. Um, <laughs> and um, we believe I, them when they tell us their answer. Correct. We, we believe, believe them. He was like, I'm not sure. He was sure. He was sure yeah. it was no. Um, and the, you know, I was like, I should just start looking into freezing because by the time he's ready, I'm probably going to be like 40. So, you know, like I should um, think about this now. And there was like a free test your fertility thing at a different um, fertility center here in Illinois. And I was like, oh, I'll just do that because it's free. Um, and I remember there was like no real, basically I did the testing and they were like, yeah, you're good. And I was like, okay, I don't really know what that means, but they said I'm good. So <laughs> I'm gonna, yeah, I'm going to walk out this door. And I think that's, I was like 34. Um, flash forward and I started talking to Ova because um, I saw you guys have like the cutest of cutest offices and I know that that shouldn't be something that attracted me to you but it, well, it doesn't feel like a doctor's office it well doesn't, it doesn't hurt right because no. it is I mean we're catering to the everyday woman right so this yeah. is an elective choice that you were making for yourself um, and you know I enjoy going there to work. It is very beautiful. Yeah. I was like, this, <laughs> this is aesthetics and I'm into the aesthetics. Um, and that's when I started um, talking to you guys. And um, when I had my meeting with Whitney here, um, like, you know, she had a like very honest discussion with me about, you know, like you're getting older and telling me things that I didn't even know, like about my fertility health and things that they didn't tell me anywhere down the line until I got to you guys, which was sort of like, now is the time, you know, mm -hmm. like things are only going to get worse, not to be scary. Like, right. And you know, you don't want to make it a scare tactic, but the no. facts are the facts. Yeah. And you didn't make it a scare tactic. I feel like I'm not saying it the way that you did, but you know, it was sort of like, okay, you know, like if we're going to do it, do it now. Mm -hmm. Um, and like, let's, let's just do it. Let's just do mm -hmm. it. I mean, even if you meet someone, you're still going to want those eggs yeah. right mm -hmm. so like it's less about you know like meeting someone and all this stuff but I think for me that was in my brain the hardest thing the anxiety I had was around dating and um like that I needed to meet the per perfect person tomorrow and it was making me the worst like I mm -hmm. would go on dates and I was just not I wasn't having fun it's and just pressure yeah. And it's like, all I care about is like, does he want to be a dad? Will he be a good dad? And it wasn't like, I was even thinking about um, me in the whole situation. It was sort of like, I'm just thinking about my future children, which like, you still have to be a part of that scenario. Yeah. So it wasn't like, that's why I, and after I did the whole process, I've been like completely dated differently. Mm -hmm. and, and I did too. When after I did it. It's like yeah. a weight off of your shoulders. It is. You're like, you, okay, I can have fun again. Mm -hmm. And the option's still there. And I think I was like scared to like tell guys that I did it because it sounds like, I don't know, desperate in a way. Um, but don't yeah, I am that? desperate to have children, but like it is, but it is what it is. But every guy I've told has been like, oh, that's really cool. You right. Know, like you took control of the situation. Mm -hmm. And it's like, yeah, I'm very type A. So, uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, I mean, with your, you know, I think that there's so many women just hearing your story. And I'm sure women listening that are in that exact same boat because you, I was just like you. I mean, it was just very, very stressful to date because all I could think about was what I wanted. I wasn't able to live in the moment. All I could think about was yes. five, 10 years down the line. And my biological clock was ticking and, oh my gosh, all of these people around me and just comparing myself to others. And it did take this huge 
just you just breathe a little bit deeper, a little bit easier, and you're walking lighter on your feet, which is attractive to men, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, because yes, it, even though you're thinking it mentally in your head, it it comes across that way. Yeah, um, you can I'm sure feel being tense when you're in a dating situation. I know I did. So I'm curious, like, so Nikki, for you, you came to our modified wine walk because mm-hmm. of the beautiful Chicago weather. Mm-hmm. Um, and is it something that you had thought about doing through SAS or was this, was that like the first time you actually even thought about it or what kind of sparked your interest? No, I can tell you at that moment, I was an absolute no. I didn't even, <laughs> I didn't want to get tested. I didn't really care. Um, because, uh, I, so I'm different in a way because I'm not desperate to have children. I think I might want children. I want the option. That's, I want to know that I have the option. I was told at 11 years old, I'd never have kids because I have PCOS. Um, and that's what I was told. A doctor should have never told an 11 year old that whatsoever, no. but I've always mentally been prepared that I can't have any. Um, so at that point I was like, yeah, I'm just here because to support Alex and I'm good. Well, the more and more I started thinking about it, I was like, okay, this doctor told me this. Um, I do know with other people of PCOS, it is much harder to have children. I really just wanted, I got the OVV testing so I could truly learn what's going on. I wanted the full spectrum so I could have the knowledge to make the decision and finally like truly find out. So that's, that's the whole reason I went through the OVA process. So I went in thinking, I'm just going to find out what's going on. I, I went in having no intention of wanting to freeze my eggs either. I think that's okay. Some people just want to learn about their fertility health and that is a okay. And I think Mm -hmm. Alex, you know, we chatted about this too. Like Mm -hmm. just because you're doing this, you don't have to make decisions that you're absolutely going to move forward. If you just want to gain the knowledge, like you can take it step by step. So I think that's great, Nikki, that, you know, that's all I wanted to do was find out what was going on. It wasn't until I got my results that I uh, finally made the decision that I wanted to freeze my eggs because my results were, and after talking, like I talked to Whitney, I talked to Dr. Kaplan. I always, I'm not going to probably be able to conceive naturally. I'm going to need well, some kind of, I'm going to need some kind of help along well, the I think way. patients that with PCOS, it makes it more difficult. It's not yes. impossible, mm-hmm. but it, it, it makes it more difficult if you're not ovulating on your own. And there's different um, severities of PCOS, right? Like some people have more mild or maybe have some tendencies of the PCO, you know, PCO, but not necessarily the full on syndrome while other people really struggle systemically with it and have it very severely. So I think it is important to manage expectations for that specific patient. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I was told, you know, probably with my history that that it would, I would be a really good candidate because I do have a lot of follicles, mm-hmm. which would potentially mean that the first retrieval, we get a decent amount of eggs and it would be a really great backup plan for me if I do cho- choose to have children down the road. Totally. So that is why I've decided to do it. Yeah. I want, I want the backup plan. Yeah. Well, we are excited. Yeah. And I think there's, there's nothing wrong with wanting the backup plan, right? Like you have every right to want to keep your options open. It just stinks that like mother nature is puts this time clock on us and to where we feel this pressure, but a reproductive, your reproductive health, everything about it is your right. You have that right. And so the fact that we are able to have this option for women now, like it's amazing. I just, sometimes I just want to scream it from the rooftop. Like you have this option, take advantage of it. All those women 10 years ago, back in the fertility clinic, didn't right. even have the option. Yeah. Um, obviously there's different, you know, roadblocks. It is, it can be very expensive and insurance and sometimes doesn't want to cover it. And that's a, again, a totally different conversation, but if you have the means to do it, financial coverage, insurance coverage, whatever, there's really, I can't think of a reason why you wouldn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what would your recommendation be of if, the question that I feel like I get a lot um, is when should I start the process? Like what age? Mm, and we yeah. have a lot of followers who are young and, you know, like maybe they've just graduated college. Like, should mm-hmm. they be thinking about it? What, what would your recommendation be? I would say that the ideal time frame would be between 25 and 35. 
Now for listeners that are younger than that, I don't think that there's anything wrong with seeing what's going on with your fertility health, especially if you have a genetic you know, background of maybe your mom and your grandma and your sisters or your aunts all went in to early menopause. That may be something that you want to look into it earlier than 25. And then also alternatively, if you're over than 35, that also does not mean that you're not a candidate. Um, I think a lot of times people hear this number 35 and they are like, okay, well, if I'm past that, there's no point. Mm -hmm. Yes, there is. You know, I think it's all about the management of expectations, gathering the information, just because when you turn 35, your ovaries don't just go, all right, she's 35 and I am done, you know, and all of your eggs like fall out of your body. No, yeah, you know, science is not that black and white. I mean, I had a friend who was 38 and did it and she got, I think like 16. So Mm -hmm. it's just like, you never know. Mm -hmm. You never know. And I mean, the quantity is one thing. Quality is obviously another um, that you got to think about. There is, it's important to, to kind of get in front of, there's no pretest. This overview testing that we're chatting about, which is really gathering the knowledge from a yield perspective, what's going on with your reserve. There is no pretesting to know the quality of eggs. Mm -hmm. Um, So we know again, Unfortunately, it's going down for all of us as women. We're all in this together. It's not like certain people got dealt the short end of the stick and others didn't. But we know that, you know, quality is always going down, but there is not a specific test that we can do for that per se. Right. You only can test the eggs once you retrieve them. So once the eggs are retrieved, even then it can't be said like, oh, this is a good quality and this isn't. Um, The best way or the gold standard way to evaluate that is going to be to fertilize the eggs with sperm. So we have all 46 chromosomes. And then at that point, they can be created by the skilled embryologist. Um, But even, you know, an egg itself, you can't just look at it and say, it's a beautiful quality or it's not. You can look at it and say it's mature or it's not mature, but not know kind of how well it would be to, you know, as far as chromosomes or anything like that. Okay. Um, so I know that the question that we get a lot yeah. maybe, before even like, maybe you get to the testing process of, yeah. um, does our weight affect my fertility personally, or like the egg retrieval process? Like what is your thought process on that? Mm-hmm. I think it's very important that we look at the, just the overall health of a woman. Weight comes into play, but also if you're underweight, right? So it's, you can't just focus on someone who's, you know, maybe a little bit overweight. You've also got to look at the other side of it. No one talks about that a lot of times, but that can affect things too. So with both of those, we just need to look at the woman, not the scale, not on a piece of paper. We need to look at the woman. So are there any pre-existing medical conditions? If there is, the answer to that is yes. Those obviously need to be addressed because this is, as I mentioned, an elective procedure. So your health is obviously the most important. Does not mean that if someone has a pre-existing medical condition, let's say someone has high blood pressure, pre-diabetic, whatever that could be, doesn't mean that we're going to turn them away, but we need to address that. And there needs to be a collaborative effort with the treating physician, as well as the reproductive endocrinologist, just to be sure that everyone's on the same page and that it's safe. That's the biggest thing. So now some women, I know that you guys mentioned earlier that a lot of your viewers talk about the PCOS and what that could mean. That's even more of a reason, as you mentioned, Nikki, to kind of be proactive with your fertility and, you know, get in front of it. And, you know, you have to be monitored super closely with PCOS because sometimes you do tend to respond more sensitively to the medications. So we want to keep a very, very close eye on you. But ultimately, when it's all said and done, it's the overall health of the woman and making sure that she is safe, not a piece of paper or a scale. There you have it, people. Yeah, no. All the people that messaged Alex and was like, I'm surprised they let you do it. <laughs> that is, and those people probably aren't listening, but <laughs> I don't know. It was one person was having a hard time getting a doctor to do IVF. Mm. Um, because of like what specifically? Because they were the saying her BMI. It was solely based on BMI, or That's was there other, was like, you know, core, there could be pre existing medical conditions. Now, I, th- I will say that some facilities may have certain things in place, you know, so if there's certain, you know, it would say restrictions or, you know, 
things put in place to keep you, again, to keep you safe. One of those can sometimes be, we need you to talk with the anesthesia before we go through this. We just want to make sure, you know, that if you've had anesthesia before, that there's no um, adverse reactions to that, breathing issues, blah, 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 blah. Again, it doesn't mean that you're just going to sit there and be like, oh, if your BMI is this, we're not going to see you. Yeah. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. We need to treat the whole woman. I think it might have had to do a little bit with her insurance as well. Well, you know, oh, her insurance was saying, oh, sorry, that she couldn't do. Wow. Yeah, that she had to be a certain BMI to do it. Oh, because most insurance companies are extremely fat public. So that tracks. Okay. Yeah. Yes. You know, that kind of goes along with what I think about with insurance companies that say, okay, well, if you are infertile, um, then we'll cover things. And by infertile, we mean you've been having to have unprotected sex for like, it's like, oh, I'm sorry. The last guy, I didn't know that you were monitoring my unprotected sex. I know. That's the only way my insurance will cover it is if I'm infertile. Right. And then that stipulation or that diagnosis is if you are younger than 35, you have to have unprotected sex for one year. And if you're over 35, then it has to be unprotected sex for six months. But, but that like me, I can't like, unless I can't be off of my birth control. So that's, right. so there's so many things like you could just go yeah. down this huge it's rabbit all, hole. Yeah, it's, like, it's, what the it's all fucked. <laughs> it's all fucked basically. I mean, you know, I, I really hope that someday we can have a conversation again where it's just like if you want to freeze your eggs your insurance company is going to pay for it yeah I know, a lot, I know a lot of companies now employers it is it. so much better than what it yeah. used to be yeah. i mean it used to be we would not see any coverage whatsoever aside it's from like a big tech firm like right like apple and google and facebook were some of the first to make that stance yeah but now we see more and more of it. And I really do hope that it catches on and continues to grow and become more of well, you would a think coverage for women. Sense because like you want your employee to work for you as long as they want to, you know, like, right. you want them to, I don't know. I would think that you'd want that as a, as a corporation. But you'd think, you would think. You would think. Yeah. But you would also think that from a daycare perspective, childcare like some sort of like, you know, help me out situation, but not so much. Anyway, I digress. Um, <laughs> why don't we talk about the, like what the overview process actually is. So people know what it is. That's about it. Yeah. So overview is a, it's what we call at OVA and it's our ovarian reserve testing. The very important thing about our testing, which could make us different from others, is that it's comprehensive, number one. So it's very important that we're looking at all aspects. I think of every single test as being a piece of a puzzle that makes up you and your fertility. So we do an ultrasound and we look at four different hormones in the blood. So if we were just, let's say, for example, offering an ultrasound with no blood work, or maybe just one or two tests of the blood work with the ultrasound, we're not really getting that full picture. So we want to be sure that we're gathering all of the data. Number two, um, once that testing is completed, we offer, you know, part of that is talking with the nurse to review those results. Because if you just get emailed a handout, you know, and it's just like, oh, this looks good, or you, maybe, it, maybe, gosh forbid, a level is not where it should be, but it doesn't mean that you're necessarily infertile or that you're not ever able to have children you know, you need some context surrounding that. And so it's very important that you speak with the medical professional to explain, hey, this is the test we did. This is why this test is important. Hey, you're out of range on this one, but that's okay. That's because of this and explaining it all, you know, entirely. Um, With the overview testing, it's important that it's done at a certain time in your menstrual cycle. So for it to be accurate, it's not like you can just do it at any time, but for women that are not menstruating or maybe have an IUD or a Nexplanon, or maybe they just don't ovulate, so they're not getting periods, we work around that. So that's why it's important. We start with the initial complimentary nurse consultation to gather some information as far as what's going on with your health history. We schedule it logistically at a time, you know, if you do get a period within the first five days, if you don't, we'll figure out what's going on with you specifically. If you're on a birth control pill, sometimes women don't get a period, but we can just do it during the sugar pill week. If you aren't on the pill and you just don't menstruate, we can just do random checks and kind of tell based on those results, do we need to repeat this and when? 
And then, as I mentioned, once those results come back, a nurse would review them in detail with the patient, and then we would get you scheduled with the physician to take it one step further and go through what is this customized treatment plan going to be for you, and how can we manage expectations around this treatment? Because just you can't base it solely off an age. Just because you're a healthy 34, 35, 36-year-old woman doesn't mean that there's a blanket treatment protocol for all 34, 35, 36-year-old women. Right, right. I, something I was super worried about was being able to get, if I was able to get the testing, because I don't, well, right. I don't menstruate regularly and I do have an explant on. So that was something that was super important to me. I remember like asking Alex so many times, like, and being worried that I wasn't going to be able to get it done. So it's very nice that you guys are able to do an extra panel to work around that. Well, and it's not, it's sometimes, you know, there is always that chance that with women that don't get their period because your body is still kind of those hormones are still fluctuating that maybe you're not at where we want you to be in this, in your cycle. So we're able to tell, Hey, you know what, let's come back in. Let's repeat that blood work in one week in two weeks. But it doesn't, again, I think sometimes people think, Oh, I don't get my period. I'm not a candidate. Oh, I have PCOS. I'm not a candidate. Right. Oh, my BMI is high. I'm not yeah. a candidate. I think the moral of this story is just to make the phone call and talk with the medical professional and just get educated about it. Because I would say, 99.9% of the time, you're going to be a candidate. I mean, again, nothing's perfect in life. Nothing's all or nothing, mm-hmm. but there's typically an answer. Yeah. And I think we, as fat women, I think often don't fight for our health in general. Like, you know, we'll go to doctors and maybe we don't want to be weighed or whatever. I just think like, if you are going to a doctor and you're not going to over it for some reason, you don't live here or whatever, like you can still like find someone else. Advocate for yourself. <laughs> Advocate, Advocate for, yourself. for yourself is the biggest thing and go to a place. And if you're not feeling comfortable or that your questions are not being answered, get a second opinion. Mm-hmm. And even if you don't live in Chicago, call us. Yeah. We see so many people that come to Chicago solely for this. And you know what? This is something in your life to where it may be okay to be a little inconvenienced to go out of town to make sure that it's done appropriately. Yeah. And that you're trusting your medical professional. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine having done it with anybody else. Um, I know this isn't an ad, but <laughs> <laughs> kind of is. Um, <laughs> um, okay. So once, let's say you decide to do the process, um, mm-hmm. how long does it take to do the whole shebang? Well, I think again, there's no black and white answer to that. But you know, as soon as you make that conversation, if you're ready to get going with that initial testing, because overview testing is always going to be step one. Mm -hmm. Um, It depends on where you are in your menstrual cycle. Do you get regular periods? Do you not? And then if you don't having you come in, there is always a chance, as I just mentioned, that we may have to repeat it. But I would say on average, from the initial nurse kind of introduction or phone call until meeting with the physician to come up with that treatment plan. It's typically somewhere between, I would say it's probably three to four weeks, sometimes less, sometimes more. Mm -hmm. And then from there, you know, we can move as quickly or slowly as you like. There's a lot of times people will say when I chat with them, I want to do this, but I don't think I want to do it into until the fall. So should Mm -hmm. I start the testing now or should I wait? Like, is it better that I get my testing closer to when I'm going to do treatment. And the answer to that is number one, it's your decision. So whatever you're the most comfortable with, but the testing is good for one year. So if you start the testing now, but you're like, you know what, I don't want to do this until winter time, because, you know, sometimes people don't want to do it in the summertime because mm-hmm. they, you know, you're not going to be obviously feeling your best in Chicago. We don't get a ton of summer. Um, that's totally fine. It'll be good for a year. We just have to have you do the treatment within one year of your testing, because at that point we would then have to repeat the testing because our fertility is always going down. Sometimes, you know, it's nice to get that initial testing done because hardest part is making the appointment and just doing it and knowing. So just making the appointment and doing it and then being able to have a little bit of control on, okay, so now I've got that point done. I know what to expect. I know you know, the timing of this. And I think that sometimes gives us all a little peace because this is a topic that many times is completely out of our control. So to have a little bit of a say in it is nice. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think having gone through it, um, I mean, the whole egg freezing process 
usually takes like a month. Okay. And then the pr- like the treatment itself. Yeah. The treatment. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's like 10 to 14 days of those injections. Yeah. And coming in for monitoring. And then, um, so 10 to 14 days and then we do the retrieval and mm-hmm. then it takes a bit for your body to, yeah, like to heal and normalize. Yeah. So three and a half, four weeks. Yeah. Um, for you to feel like yourself again, I say. Anyway. Yeah. My second time, I definitely felt like off. Like it was, I definitely felt worse than the first time. But the first, the first time I felt worse before the process, <laughs> before the retrieval. And mm-hmm. then after I was like, I'm amazing. <laughs> right. Yeah. And so this- I mean, perfect example that you cannot even compare two cycles as the same or like everything is out, you know, can be completely different. Yeah. So you like think you're going in and I mean, I remember being like, I could probably go to a concert the next day. <laughs> that was not true. <laughs> I was I like, you're going to be inside for a while. <laughs> I don't think I'll be feeling that way. <laughs> no, my first time though, I felt like amazing because I think I was just like, I don't know. My body was ready and whatever, but. So I'm going to do mine in January. I'm waiting so I can get through the holidays and summer, but also because Dr. Kaplan told me I have something called hyperstimulation. So, okay. In a sense, anytime we're stimulating the ovaries, we're hyperstimulating them, right? Because in a natural cycle, you're producing one mature egg that is being ovulated out. And then all of the other immature eggs are absorbed within the body. In a IVF cycle or even an egg freezing cycle, more than one are being stimulated. So we're hyper or excessively stimulating the ovary. Now, a lot of times, um, you know, when you have a patient that has PCOS, they, as I mentioned, are going to respond a little bit more sensitively and they're at higher risk for something called ovarian hyperstimulation syndrome or OHSS, which is a risk to treatment. So that is when, you know, after the retrieval, when you think you're all of a sudden done, you tend to feel a little worse. And sometimes there can be some fluid that fills up and we're able to reverse that. We remove the fluid, but it's not to like be taken lightly. You feel sick. You don't feel good. And we typically know when someone's at risk for that to where we can put some, you know, factors in place to help um, lessen the severity of it. And we're watching you very closely, but sometimes even when we're monitoring you very closely, there's no way to avoid that. So, um, for patients that do have a lot of follicles, they tend to, again, feel a little more uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So just planning it in my life properly. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's so smart. I mean, <laughs> I think, I mean, but honestly, it's, we live in Chicago and yeah, you yeah. want to be able to fit this into your life. You don't want to make yourself completely miserable. Right. So enjoy the warm time as we have it. And I think yeah. this is, you know, winter time. It sounds like the perfect time mm-hmm. to do it. Yeah. Get so it done. is there anything that like, if you are going through the process that you need to do to help make it more successful or things you're not allowed to do? Or- yeah. So there's certain things, you know, a lot of this is out of our control. It just is kind of the hand that we were dealt, but during the treatment cycle itself. So that 10 to 14 days that you're giving yourself yourself, those hormonal injections and coming in for your appointments. And then until you get your period after the retrieval. So it's that total of three and a half to four weeks to protect your ovaries, no exercise, no intercourse, no heavy lifting. Now, if some people come in and do the initial testing and it looks like they may have some diminished ovarian reserve, there can occasionally be some supplements that we may recommend a patient take um, prior to moving forward with the actual treatment. Typically, ideal levels would be to take it about three months before, but even a little bit before is sometimes better than no time. That's not going to be recommended for everybody. So a lot of times people are like, well, should I just take the supplements now? Let's always start with the initial testing, see what things are looking like. And then the doctor can review that with you. I took vitamins. Yeah. I mean, taking a multivitamin itself is always good. Like Like a prenatal? Yeah. Yes. A prenatal, multivitamin prenatal. prenatal, That's great. And I mean, the one thing I will say that's a big no-no is smoking. Mm. Vaping, smoking, all of that is not good for your. Yeah, I remember I asked if I could have edibles, and you were like, "No." (laughs) I wouldn't. You know, I mean, especially like edibles right now, with that case, that's kind of like the thing. No one's doing studies on. I know we don't know. An edible is that going to affect? You know, I mean, but smoking, we know in general, is not good. Right. But what about drinking? Because I remember Alex not being able to drink. 
So drinking in moderation is okay. Now, ha- when I say that, I mean, <laughs> moderation could be subjective, but, um, you know, having a glass of wine at dinner is not going to be, compl- you know, detrimental to your cycle, but do you want to be like going out and really getting after it? No, but now is probably not the time. Right. Now, some women choose to say, Hey, if I'm putting my, you know, time, money, physical, all of this stuff into this, I want to eliminate all toxins from my body. Like, what's the point? I can go three and a half, four weeks without having a glass of wine. Now, it depends on who you ask. I had a glass of wine every once in a while throughout my treatment process. But it's not saying you absolutely cannot do it, but you just have to do it in moderation. And if you're not going to feel good, if let's say, gosh forbid, you really don't have the greatest stimulation and you're going to focus on the fact that you had a glass of wine um, during the actual 10 to 14 days and that's going to consume you, it's not worth it. Yeah. I I also did acupuncture. Oh, yeah. I love acupuncture. Uh, Yeah. To like relax you because you get really anxious during the whole process. Mm-hmm. too because like again again kind of like what you were just saying Whitney like um there's like a lot of pressure on you to be like you know creating these eggs and like they'd be perfect and that, that you know like that's obviously not possible like mm-hmm. we can't do the perfect thing to get the perfect outcome you can only do as best you can but I think like acupuncture just definitely like made me more relaxed so that I wasn't like so stressed about it I love acupuncture I'm a huge proponent of it just you know, with this, with everything. But again, if you choose that, sometimes I feel like sometimes it's a stressor for women to be like, I can't get to my acupuncture appointments. And if that's going to stress you out <laughs> to try to get there, then that's kind of common the purpose. Yeah. Right. One question we've gotten is that um, if you freeze your eggs, are you losing potential eggs? Like, could it, if you tried naturally, <laughs> would it lessen your chances? <laughs> I love this question and I love answering it because it just makes me so happy to say no. It, it's not, it's not like you're building up a bank of future eggs. That's like so, literally what I thought though. This is why I know. this is and so disgusting. So what happens in the natural cycle, as I mentioned before, is you, you know, recruit all of these immature eggs. One of them matures, ovulates out for pregnancy, and the rest of them are then absorbed within the body. So we're essentially saving what you would have lost in that month anyway. It's right. not like you're banking up eggs for the future. You're losing eggs every single month. It doesn't matter if you're on the pill, IUD, Nexplanon, does not matter if you're getting your period. You're not, you're still losing those eggs. So we are saving a little bit of a batch that was going to be gone that month anyways. So I know that I think this will be different for every person too. Maybe that answer, but, um, is there like an ideal amount of eggs that you would get to have a live birth? Um, great question. And it's typically based off age. Um, of course there's going to be other factors that could come into play, but generally speaking, um, and I can only speak for what we're seeing in our laboratory. Um, again, the experience of the lab and the embryologist is super crucial because egg freezing is such a fine-tuned technology. It's something you have to have some practice in. Mm-hmm. So what we typically see is that someone that's less than 35 years of age, if you freeze around 15 eggs, you can have about an 80% probability of taking home one to two babies from that. Now, again, that's a generalization. So there's other factors that could come into play. And that's specifically where you would need to talk with the doctor or the embryologist. As we get older, the more eggs you have to freeze um, to have the same probability. So, and that's just because we know that the quality of our eggs is going down. So at 36, you know, that's going to go up to about 17 and then 37, you're looking at 20 and then 38, you're looking at 25. And then all of a sudden you're jumping up a lot higher. Mm-hmm. The other thing to remember is that sometimes it's going to take women more than one treatment cycle and that's okay. doesn't mean, as you said, Sass, like you're type A. And I think that's a lot of women freezing their eggs are type A or they wouldn't even be thinking about this, (laughs) but type A women, goal getting women that are successful to tell them like, Hey, you might have to do this more than once when they're in their mind. They're like, no, I've been successful in everything I've done in my life. I'm going to be able to do this in one. Sometimes it's tough, but it's okay. Many, many women have to do more than one cycle. And that's why it's very crucial to manage expectations from the get-go and kind of get in front of it. Because as much of an advancement in the technology of like in the field of reproductive medicine that egg freezing is, 
it's not perfect. It's not a guarantee, but it's giving you a little bit more control than if you did nothing and let mother nature run her course, but you want to be sure that you're doing it correctly and you're going to a place that is reputable. Yeah. I had a full on, well, I mean, you go through anesthesia, right? When you go through the process. So the Mm -hmm. second time I got less eggs than the first time. And I had a, my dad was like, you had a full on meltdown. Um, (laughs) I know because I was like, exactly what you're saying. I was like, it wasn't successful. This is my mom. And you know, like later when he was saying it, like, as I was eating my McDonald's cheeseburger, I was like, I don't even remember. So (laughs) Um, that first meal though. Right. So I know. So good. They say to eat a lot of salt. So yes, it is actually. So with that hyperstimulation, eating foods that are high in protein and sodium and drinking tons and tons of electrolytes are really, really good for you during that post-retrieval time and even leading up to it. So will you take me for caviar after mine? Caviar. It's fine. It's salty and high in protein. (laughs) I'll I'll have the champagne while you have the caviar. Okay. And potato chips. Yeah. You're so fancy. I know. Um, okay. This was a random question. We don't have to include it, but I thought it was interesting that this girl asked it on your TikTok, Nikki. Um, she asked if she was like, I've, my experience is that most people don't actually end up using their eggs. Yeah. I don't know. How do we know the answer to that right now? Right. Egg freezing has really gained momentum in the past several years but many of those women may not have had the opportunity to use them yet or are still going to use them. It's not just for baby number one. It could be for baby number two or baby number three. So I think that's a little premature to make that statement. Yeah. Yeah. I did a TikTok. I basically saying that I was thinking about doing it, wanting to know people's opinions. And it was very interesting to hear, to see people's point of views, because you can tell how they're not used to talking about it. They still think mm-hmm. about it negative, like in a negative way. And it's like, no, this is, is a so eye-opening for me yeah. because I really thought we were past that. I honestly did. The people who are very pro are ones who either like um, had IVF or like had cancer. And they're like, I wish I would have froze, froze mm-hmm. them. Like, so it's like, talk, like, let's talk to those people then. Like that's, mm-hmm. you, you know, there things happen. Like you need a backup plan. Mm-hmm. You need to, you know, no. it just shows that we just have so much more educating still to do about this. And I'm not stopping. I'm still, you know, um, yeah. we know, we know, <laughs> <laughs> we know. <laughs> I think like I had so many people message me when I did my first round and be like, oh, I'm like, I can't believe you're so brave to, you know, like talk about this. And I was like, I don't think this is brave, like uh, personally, because it's like, for me, it feels like a very normal thing to want to talk about, but mm-hmm. I get that. I think that made me realize that like a lot of people don't like talking about this stuff and, um, you know, like even talking about their periods, people are uncomfortable with yeah. that, which is yeah. wild. Admit, though, me. For me personally, I mean, again, times have evolved even in the past few years, but I was nervous at first to, to share that I had done it just because I knew how I felt about it obviously inside. Um, and that I was super passionate about it, but I I didn't know if it was going to be receptive. And I think that I was also a little immature in the sense that it didn't matter if it, like, if it was, if I was passionate about it, that's all that should have mattered. But I was so worried about what people were going to think and how it would have been received. But now I'm like, especially after all of the women that I see day in and day out that were like, I wish I would have done this younger. I wish I would have known. It just, again, it just adds more fire underneath of me to continue to get the word out. Okay. So let's say that I decide that I want to use the eggs that I froze with Ova. What do I do next? So what you do next is contact us. Um, I think a lot of times people are like, oh, you guys are just freezing my eggs, but if I want to use them, I have to go elsewhere. And that is not the case. Continuity of care is super important to us. And because you're entrusting in us in us to take you through that first half, of course, we want to take you through that second half and get you to that end outcome. So you would contact OVA directly. And then what would happen is, is we would, you know, kind of go through what you're you're looking for, whether you have a partner and you want to use donor sperm or whatever it may be. And in the laboratory, kind of more scientifically, what is happening is 
we will be thawing the eggs, fertilizing with them with the sperm. Simultaneously, we would be prepping you with some medications to get your uterus ready for the transfer. So the time commitment is a lot less than when you are going through the, the kind of the first portion or that 10 to 14 days of kind of coming in and out of monitoring. Um, we just do a couple lining checks just to make sure that your uterus is thickening appropriately and we time the transfer. So there is also a little bit more control because we're able to say, all right, so this is the day the transfer is going to be. And you can plan for that versus with the first half of the cycle um, or with the stimulation process for egg freezing. It's really up to mother nature. We can kind of give you a window frame of your retrieval is going to fall between this day and this day, but we really don't know for sure until we get closer. Um, the transfer is not done under anesthesia. Many times we'll have you take a medication that will just relax you and the uterus because the uterus is a big muscle, right? So if you're mm -hmm. tense and that's tense, we just want it to be, you know, a smooth process to get the catheter in and transfer the, the little, little tiny embryo into the uterus. It's very quick. And, um, after that, you know, you'll rest for, couple days. You don't have to be on strict bed rest or anything, but it's just nice to lay low. And then about 10 days later, you would have your pregnancy test. Wow. Wow. That's like and so when fast. it all comes full circle like that, I mean, it just talk about a rewarding job to have. It's pretty yeah. amazing. Well, it'll be me someday, hopefully. Yeah, yes, we, we will. Taking out sperm donors for you, like right now, so you can have a baby like this year. <laughs> no. I know. Okay. Not this year. Okay. <laughs> Give me a few more. Okay. Two more years. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. So ready so, for this. Yeah, I'm ready for her to have a baby. Okay. Um, calm down. <laughs> I know. Um, so I guess besides our weight, the next biggest question we get is cost. How much does the overview testing cost? And then how much does like the actual freezing cost? Yeah. So of course, I mean, cost is a big factor when this all comes to play, especially with insurance. You know, I mean, again, they're coming more on board, but not still a hundred percent. So the overview or that initial ovarian reserve testing is $500. And that's going to include the blood work, the ultrasound, the review of all of that testing, and then the consultation with the physician to go through what the customized plan would be for you specifically. And then when we're moving forward with treatment, if you would be self-pay, we will always call on your insurance to see, do you have some sort of coverage from a treatment or medication kind of perspective? But let's say worst case scenario, you are self-pay. So your treatment cycle is going to be $6,500. And that's going to include all of your monitoring appointments throughout that 10 to 14 days of kind of coming in and out of the office. Doesn't matter how how many you have that's going to be included in that price. It's going to include one year of storage. It will also include the actual retrieval process, anesthesia, and the freezing of your eggs. What it does not include is going to be your medications. And your medications are going to be ordered based on your fertility results. So depending on what we see, you may have a lower protocol or a higher protocol. So it's a, it's a bit of a range, but typically the medications are going to raise, range somewhere between 3,500 to about 7,000. Um, and then storage after that first year is going to be $700 a year. You can just pay that on an annual fee. Um, sometimes people are like, I know I don't have insurance coverage for this, but when we call on their behalf, they may not have treatment coverage, but they do have some sort of medication coverage, which as you can see with the medications being as pricey as they are, a little bit goes a long way. Yeah. Um, but the pricing that I just quoted, we always pass on, we get our, um, we get a discount at over for the medications from like the pharmacies for cost. And we pass that on to you guys. So it, we kind of a nice little benefit that we're able to share with our patients that are going to be self-pay. Yeah. And we're actually doing a uh, discount with you guys until yes. July. This is exciting. So if you use code swipe fat, you get a hundred dollars off your overview testing. Yes. Yeah. So if you're just interested in knowing yeah, what yeah, your fertility yeah. health looks like. Yeah. So between, yeah, just give us a call. I mean, as I mentioned, the initial nurse consult is 
complimentary. And that's just gathering the information. Even, you know, if you're just like, I don't know if this is something I want to do, but I'm interested in learning more or how it's going to be for me specifically. We'll chat through all of that health history. And then, um, yeah, we'll offer that hundred dollars off through the end of July to do that initial testing. So it would be $400 for a blood ultrasound review and consult with the doctor. And then even at that point, as you guys mentioned, if you're like, just still not sure, that's okay. Sometimes yeah. just gathering that information is, is what you need to either say, I'm good with this and mm-hmm. I'm ready to put things on hold, or maybe I do want to continue to move forward. Yeah. And I think everyone's journey is going to be different. Obviously, like, you know, we voiced that earlier, like yours, mine, Nikki's, like have all been very different, you know, mm-hmm. but, um, was the way that we each needed to do it. No two journeys are going to be the same, but they're still all beautiful, right? Yeah. Yeah. I like that. (laughs) Let's end on that note. (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Oh my gosh, it was a pleasure. Can we just do this like every week? We do do this every week. (laughs) Well, can I come back? You can come back. You can definitely come back. Yeah. We can have you back when I'm like crying on the podcast. (laughs) And when Sass is, is pregnant. Yeah. yeah yeah that'd be great that'd, that'd be, be great. yes amazing that'd be great <laughs> um, well we end every podcast saying bye together do you want to say bye with us would love to say bye with you okay. make sure you guys give us a follow on tiktok and instagram at swipe bat and happy birthday to our patreon member Brittany. we'll see you guys next friday bye, bye. <laughs>